All right, this evening we will be in Numbers chapter 2, and we will introduce the uh, person of Balaam, son of Beor, who is this prophet um, in here in the Numbers 22, 23, and 24. Um, tonight, uh, we are only going to cover Numbers 22. We will jump around a little bit even into the New Testament uh, as we introduce uh, Balaam uh, tonight. Um, and I will get to chapters 23 and 24 next time as we take a closer look at the prophecies of Balaam. Uh, this evening will just uh, be kind of a biblical survey of the person of Balaam. Uh, as, a, as a reminder, last time we were together, we were in Numbers uh, chapter 21, and uh, we talked a lot last time about the, um, the bronze serpent. We also spent some time in John chapter 3, obviously, as uh, Jesus uses the bronze serpent as a type and shadow of himself. And Numbers chapter 21 finished with two Israelite victories. One over Sihon, king of the Amorites. You can see that beginning in verse 21. And the second one over Og, the king of Bashan. And that begins in verse 33 of Numbers 21. And so just as a reminder where we are with the Israelites, we are on the east side of the Jordan River. As the um, this new generation of Israelites is preparing to head west into the land of Canaan uh, to um, uh, take over, essentially, the land of Canaan as a manifestation of the promise that God made to Abraham. And so uh, we're in the 40th year of this new generation of Israelites. And in Numbers chapter 22, we find ourselves just on the east side of the Jordan River in a land known as Moab. And so uh, this is uh, basically the northern part of the Dead Sea and on the east side of the Jordan River. Again, after the Israelites have already defeated Sihon and Og. And so now they're going to come up against this additional king named Balak, who's the son of Zippor. And we will see that as we go through the text. So let's pick up in Numbers chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. After the defeats of Sihon and Og, then the sons of Israel journeyed and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan opposite Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, that is Sihon and Og. So Moab was in great fear because of the people, for they were numerous, and Moab was in dread of the sons of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this horde will lick up all that is around us, as the auk licks up the grass in the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of Moab at that time. So he sent messengers to Balaam the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river, in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, a people came out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the surface of the land, and they are living opposite me. Now therefore, please come, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with their fees for divination in their hand. And they came to Balaam and repeated Balak's words to him. 
And he said to them, Spend the night here, and I will bring my word back to you as the Lord may speak to me. And the leaders of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent word to me. Behold, there is a people who came out of Egypt, and they cover the surface of the land. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I may be able to fight against them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam arose in the morning and said to Balak's leaders, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. And the leaders of Moab arose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Verse 15. Then Balak again, again sent leaders more numerous and more distinguished than the former. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak the son of Zippor, Let nothing I beg you hinder you from coming to me. For I will indeed honor you richly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Please come then, curse this people for me. And Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything, either small or great, contrary to the command of the Lord my God. And now, please, you also stay here tonight, and I will find out what else the Lord will speak to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you shall you do. So Balaam arose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the leaders of Moab. All right, let's pause there. Right, so uh, we see in verse 1 that the sons of Israel, again, are on the east side of the Jordan River. And uh, Balak, who is the king of this particular clan of Moabites, apparently is still living there. And he has, of course, heard the stories uh, of the defeats of Sihon and Og by Israel. And so it's very clear in verse 3 that the Moabites were in deep fear and dread of the sons of Israel because of these defeats of Sihon and Og. And so Moab, in verse 4, they get together uh, with this people of uh, Midian. And I would say here, by the way, that um, Balak, we don't know much about this person. Uh, in fact, at the end of Numbers chapter 21, um, it, it, there, there's a clear implication that Sihon had defeated the Moabites. And so um, we don't know how big this particular clan or tribe is that Balak is ruling over. Uh, it turns out, though, I think his name appears uh, in some uh, archaeological finds. And so uh, we're, we're convinced that, uh, of course, Balak is a, is a real person, a leader. Uh, someone of high esteem for his name to show up on a piece uh, of, uh, uh, of archaeological find. And so he goes in verse 4 to the elders of Midian. Now if you remember, we've seen uh, Midian before uh, a couple of different times. So we have to remember that Midian is a descendant of Abraham. If you go back all the way to Genesis chapter 25, uh, if we turn back to Genesis 25, just to give you a reminder... Um, Abraham, after the death of Sarah, gets himself a new wife in Genesis chapter 25, verse 1. Now Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah, 
And she bore to him Zimran, and Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua. So these Midianites are, in fact, uh, descendants of Abraham. We also remember uh, in Exodus chapter 2, verse 15, Midian is mentioned again in the account of Moses' birth. And right after the account of Moses' birth, uh, after, if you remember, Moses kills a uh, an Egyptian, um, Exodus chapter 2, verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, that is, the fact that Moses killed an Egyptian, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So, uh, this... this um, tribe of the Midianites uh, are people we've seen before. Uh, they're mainly nomads, uh, nomadic peoples. And it turns out that Balak, is, uh, who's the king of this particular tribe or clan of Moab, is trying to align himself with the Midianites so that um, they will fight with him against the Israelites. And uh, clearly they're afraid of them. Verse 3 and then in verse 4 it says, Now this horde will lick up all that is around us as the ark licks up the grass of the field. So before Balak uh, joins his forces of Moab with the Midianites, Balak feels like he needs uh, more than just an army, but he needs a blessing, a blessing from a prophet. And it turns out that the prophet in this particular case is Balaam, verse 5, the son of Beor, who is living at Pethor, which is near the river. And the river in this case is the Euphrates River. So he's living uh, over in Mesopotamia land, uh, uh, where future Babylon is. And Apparently, he is a, a prophet of some high esteem. They specifically seek him out. Uh, this would have been, uh, Balaam would have been uh, a, one of a group of prophets um, that lived in uh, Babylon, essentially, uh, down in the Mesopotamian region. And again, apparently a prophet of high esteem. He's asked for by name. Verse 5, so he, Balak, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, which is near, at Pethor, which is near the Euphrates River. And he gives him a little background in verse 5. Behold, a people came out of Egypt. They cover the surface of the land. They are living opposite me. And he begs him, verse 6, Now therefore, please come, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So this is pretty typical of a pagan king, of course, looking for the blessing of a pagan prophet who is also known to uh, do divination. And we can see that, of course, in verse 7, that the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian, they bring these fees for divination in their hand as an attempt to buy off Balaam to bring him to come to curse the Israelites. So they show up in verse 7. Verse 8 is so interesting. And we, there, there are several verses here in this chapter that are interesting. Uh, but we begin, we begin here with verse 8. And Balaam said to them, that is the, the, uh, the people who came from Balak, Spend the night here and I will bring word back to you as the Lord Yahweh may speak to me. 
It's very interesting here that Balaam uses the word Yahweh. Um, to be honest with you, we don't know why. We don't know why Balaam uses this particular word in this discussion. Um, we have no idea, of course, how much or how uh, acquainted with the uh, covenant God of Israel Balaam is at this time, but he clearly uses the name Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. And it will get more uh, interesting as we move through the chapter here, Numbers chapter 22. So, the uh, end of verse 8, the leaders of Moab stayed with Balaam. Verse 9, then God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? And of course, Balaam tells that tells God in this apparently vision in the evening um, who these men are. Verse 12, and God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So, Balaam takes the orders from God. And he says in the morning, go back to your land, verse 13, for the Lord, Yahweh, has refused to let me go with you. And so the, um, the people from Balak go back to Balak. They inform Balak that Balaam is not coming. Of course, Balak is not satisfied with this, verse 15. He sends uh, additional leaders, um, more numerous and more distinguished than the former. And they come back and they plead again with Balaam. In verse 16, and of course they offer him a great monetary reward. Verse 17, uh, Balak will indeed honor you richly and will do whatever you say. And so the request is made again at the end of verse 17. Please come, curse this people for me. Balaam again answers, verse 18. He says to the servants, of, or messengers of Balak. Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything, either small or great, contrary to the command of the, the Lord my God. And again, he says, Yahweh there. Um, really, really interesting here. Again, Balaam saying, speaking the name of the covenant God of Israel. But uh, in verse 19 of Numbers chapter 22, we see actually Balaam um, relenting a bit. So he had previously been told by God in verse 12 that he should not go with these people from Balak. But he relents a bit in verse 19 and says to them, And now please, you also stay here tonight, and I will find out what else the Lord Yahweh will speak to me. So again, verse 20, God comes to Balaam at night, and says, if the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you shall you do. So God here also relents and gives him clear marching orders for when Balaam returns to Balak. Verse 21, so Balaam arose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the leaders of Moab. Verse 22, again, another very interesting verse. Uh, Numbers 22, 22. But God was angry because he was going. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, the donkey turned off from the way and went into the field. But Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the way. 
Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path of the vineyards, with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed herself to the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn to the right hand or the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam was angry and struck the donkey with his stick. Verse 28. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Then Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a mockery of me. If there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he, Balaam, said, No. Verse 31. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed all the way to the ground. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary, because your way was contrary to me. But the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, I would surely have killed you just now, and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing in the way against me. Now then, if it is displeasing to you, I will turn back. But the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but you shall speak only the word which I shall tell you. So Balaam went along with the leaders of Balak. Verse 36. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the city of Moab, which is on the Arnon border, at the extreme end of the border. Then Balak said to Balaam, Did I not urgently send you, send to you to call you? Why did you not come to me? Am I really unable to honor you? So Balaam said to Balak, Behold, I have come now to you. Am I able to speak anything at all? The word that God puts in my mouth, I shall speak. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came to Kiriath-Huzoth. And Balak sacrificed oxen and sheep, and sent some to Balaam and the leaders who were with him. Then it came about in the morning that Balak took Balaam and brought him up to the high places of Baal, and he saw from there a portion of the people. Alright, so here we have God visits Balaam twice in the night. The first time he says, verse 12, do not go with them. The second time he relents in verse 20. It says, if the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you shall you do. Verse 21, so Balaam arose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the leaders of Moab. Verse 22, but God was angry because he, Balaam, was going. And so um, there's a lot of questions here, and I remember reading through my Bible the first time uh, many years ago and coming to this particular chapter and being uh, confused by this. Why was God angry with Balaam uh, because he was going, when in fact just two or three verses earlier, God had given permission for Balaam to actually go? And, and the, the reality of the situation is that um, it is not 100% clear why God is frustrated with Balaam. Now, we could speculate a bit, and certainly the commentaries do, Right, and um, we might speculate uh, a, a, a number of reasons as to God's frustration with Balaam here. So, 
First, it may be because that, as I alluded to earlier, uh, Balaam himself relented after being told that he was not supposed to go with the emissaries of Balak, but he relents in asking again after being told no. And what we will see later on in this particular um, teaching is that uh, we know, we find out later, that Balaam's uh, motivations here are not righteous. He has motivations that are rooted in profit and treachery. And so, of course, God knows men's hearts, um, and, and God relents, but he knows that Balaam, uh, his intentions are not good, and certainly his intentions are to um, speak curses against Israel. It could also be, as I just mentioned, that Balaam was not ready to say only what God had told him to say. You see that in verse 20. God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you shall you do. And it may very well be that at this point, Balaam is prepared to go. He's prepared to go for profit, even though in verse 18 he says that he's not interested in profit. But he's not prepared prepared to speak only the words of the Lord. And this actually is hinted at later in the chapter. If you look over very quickly at verse 32, uh, this is after, of course, the donkey speaks to Balaam three times. In verse 32, the angel of the Lord said to, to Balaam, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary, because your way was contrary to me, or your way was reckless. And so this uh, perhaps implies, and perhaps implies strongly, that although Balaam was going and was under orders to only speak the words of the Lord, that was not Balaam's intention for when uh, he was to arrive. And that's also implied by verse 38. Balaam said to Balak, Behold, I have come now to you. Am I able to speak anything at all? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I shall speak. And so the fact that the angel of the Lord came to confront him and threatened him with death apparently has at least uh, changed Balaam's mind about what exactly he is going to speak to Balak uh, once the prophecy comes. And of course, we will see in Numbers chapters 23 and 24, that is exactly what Balaam does. The third possible reason why God is angry or uh, at Balaam for going is because ultimately Balaam is a destructive influence on Israel. And we will see that uh, later as we finish up in Numbers chapter 23. We will come back to that particular idea. Ultimately, Balaam is a destructive influence on God's people, Israel. Before we come back to that, uh, let's work our way through here the, uh, the fact that Balaam's donkey speaks to him. Um, verse 22, God was angry because Balaam was going. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And so the angel of the Lord, this is a theophany. We have seen this before. Uh, of course, uh, the most famous one perhaps being in Exodus chapter 3 when the angel of the Lord appears in the bush that was burning but was not consumed. And so God um, shows up here to confront Balaam. But of course, he's hiding himself. The angel of the Lord is hiding himself from Balaam and is only allowing Balaam's donkey to see him. 
And so the first time uh, he's standing in the way with this uh, sword drawn in his hand, verse 23. And because of that, the donkey turns off of the path. And of course, this is the path that's leading from the city of Pethor in Mesopotamia over to uh, Moab. Right, So that's the path that Balaam is on. And the donkey sees the angel of the Lord with the sword drawn. And so the donkey veers off the path into the field. And of course we see in verse 23 that Balaam strikes the donkey for doing so. We see in verses 24 and 25 here in a narrow path of the vineyards. And the donkey uh, rubs itself up against one of the sides and of course uh, gets Balaam's foot stuck. And so Balaam strikes the donkey again in verse 25. And finally, the third time, the angel of the Lord uh, goes to a different place on the path where it is obviously a very narrow place. And um, the donkey literally lays down beneath Balaam and refuses to go because the donkey can see the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn. But Balaam cannot. This amazing story of the interaction, uh, the conversation, if you will, between the donkey uh, begins in verse 28. The Lord Yahweh opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam. So the donkey is literally speaking. This is not the Lord speaking to Balaam. This is the donkey speaking to Balaam. And the donkey is given here very uh, sort of an intellect like a human intellect uh, in many ways. And you can see that it's the donkey speaking because the quote is, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Unbelievably almost, Balaam talks back to this donkey in verse 29. Then Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a mockery of me, if there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now. So Balaam begins to reason now with this donkey, which is incredible. And the donkey responds, of course, empowered by the Lord. The donkey said, verse 30, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? Reasoning back with Balaam. And Balaam, of course, says, No. Verse 31, The Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. And so now Balaam himself is confronted by the angel of the Lord, and in verse 31, he bowed all the way to the ground. That is, he worshipped the angel of the Lord. And so then there's this interaction, as I previously alluded to, about the fact that apparently there was something in Balaam's heart and or mind that was contrary to the Lord. You see that at the end of verse 32. Basically makes the argument to Balaam, verse 33, that the donkey saved Balaam's life three times. Balaam, in verse 34, admits that he sinned sinned in ignorance, but sinned nonetheless, and then says at the end of verse 34, if it is displeasing to you, speaking to the angel of the Lord, then I will turn back. But the angel of the Lord allows Balaam to go forward, and so Balaam, at the end of verse 35, goes along with the leaders of Balak. So he arrives in Balak's presence, verse 36, who went out to meet him in Moab, which is uh, on the Arnon border. If you remember from last time, the Arnon is a river that flows east uh, from the Dead Sea. 
And then Balak said to Balaam, Did I not urgently send to call you? And of course, Balaam says to Balak, verse 38, Behold, I have come now to you. Am I able to speak anything at all? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I shall speak. And so as we close out the Numbers 22 chapter, um, Balak obviously provides a feast of sacrifice for Balaam and some of the leaders who were with him. And then in verse 41 now of Numbers chapter 22, setting up the um, interactions between Balaam and Balak. In, and, and in essence, what's happening here is that Balak is taking Balaam onto the high hills on the east side of the Jordan River. And if you look at a topographical map of the Jordan Valley, you will see on the east side of the Jordan River, it is very hilly and even very mountainous um, and uh, very high and uh, leading down actually the very steep cliffs that go down even to the Dead Sea, uh, which is uh, very much below sea level, as you are most likely aware. So Balak, uh, over the course of the next couple of chapters, will take Balaam onto some of these high cliffs so that he can look out over the camp of Israelites and get a good look at them that he might curse them. Okay. I am not going to go into, as I mentioned, um, chapters uh, 23 and um, 24 this evening. We will cover those, Lord willing, uh, next time. But let me just give you sort of a, a biblical overview of this uh, prophet Balaam. So he does, in fact, a little bit of foreshadowing in uh, chapters 23 and 24, prophesy um, at Balak's request. However, he does not prophesy curses over Israel, but in fact he gets four different words of the Lord, all of which are blessings. And so this angers Balak very much. As we move through the rest of the Bible, we see Balaam's name several times. And so I just want to work our way through the rest of the Bible to show you what becomes of Balaam, not only the person, but his reputation. So if you would turn with me to Numbers chapter 31. Numbers 31. So this is um, obviously just a few chapters later, even as the Israelites are on the east side of the Jordan. In Numbers chapter 31, the Israelites uh, defeat the Midianites. Verse 7 of Numbers chapter 31. So they, the Israelites, made war against Midian, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they killed every male. And they killed the kings of Midian, verse 8, along with the rest of their slain, Evi and Rechem and Zur and Hur and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, the son of Beor, with the sword. So apparently Balaam didn't make it all the way back uh, to Pethor in Mesopotamia, but uh, hung around with the uh, nomadic peoples of Midian. And we'll see in just a few verses why that is the case. Um, in verse 9, the sons of Israel captured the women of Midian and their little ones. Verse 11, uh, verse 10, they burned all their cities where they lived and all their camps with fire. Verse uh, 12, they, uh, I'm sorry, verse 11, and they took all the spoil and all the prey, both of man and beast. Verse 12, they brought the captives and the prey and the spoil to Moses and to Eleazar the priest. Verse 13 of Numbers chapter 31. And Moses and Eleazar the priest and all the leaders of the congregation went out to meet them outside the camp. 
And Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the captains of thousands and the captains of hundreds, who had come from service in the war. And Moses said to them, Have you spared all the women? Verse 16, Behold, these caused the sons of Israel, through the counsel of Balaam, to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. So the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. And so we see here that Balaam was actually behind the sins of Israel that are recounted in Numbers chapter 25. So Balaam was the mastermind behind the treachery causing the Israelites to sin with the pagan women and to commit acts of immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. And so um, Balaam is the one who was leading Israel astray uh, in Numbers chapter 25 and he meets his end with the kings of Midian in Numbers chapter 31. Balaam appears several other times uh, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Nehemiah, and Micah. And in those cases, um, Balaam is mentioned as a recounting of the history of Israel and the incident with Balaam. So I don't want to necessarily touch on those, but I do want to go to three different places in the New Testament, if you would go with me. The first place I want to go is to Second Peter, the epistle of Second Peter. Specifically, 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, along with the epistle of Jude, is a summary of the false prophets that have infiltrated the New Testament church. 2 Peter chapter 2. And Balaam is mentioned um, in verse 15. Okay, But I want to just show here... Um, Peter is talking about the false prophets. Right in the middle of verse 10, he talks about uh, them being uh, daring, self-willed. They do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Verse 11. Whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these false prophets, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They counted a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed. Accursed children. Verse 15. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for a dumb donkey, speaking with a voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. And so we see here the inspired epistle of Peter talking about um, as I previously mentioned uh, just a few moments ago, the idea that Balaam did, in fact, although he says in Numbers 22 that he has no interest in profit, the Bible clearly tells us that Balaam was interested in this unrighteous profit or these unrighteous wages. And of course, for that, he got a dumb donkey to speak to him and to rebuke him. 
in a very parallel text if you'll just turn over a few pages to the epistle of Jude. The epistle of Jude itself is very much like 2 Peter chapter 2, also talking about false prophets, and you will hear uh, some of the same language. I'll pick up in Jude verse 10. Speaking of false prophets, Jude writes this, But these men revile the things which they do not understand, and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. By these things they are destroyed. Verse 11, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the era of Balaam, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. And so here we have uh, three examples from the Pentateuch, Uh, that the false prophets are compared to. The first one, of course, is Genesis chapter 4. Cain, who murdered his brother Abel. We have here also Numbers chapter 22 and Balaam. And then we had previously seen in the book of Numbers the rebellion of Korah against Moses as well. And so uh, these are not, uh, clearly Balaam uh, does not have a good reputation. And of course here in verse 11 of Jude, uh, there is a mention of pay as well. A desire for unrighteous profit and a willingness to deceive the people of Israel and to lead them into pagan idolatry and immorality. One more stop. In the New Testament, before we close up tonight, if you'll just turn over a couple of pages, in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2. So, uh, as you are aware, Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are the letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor, written by John. And I want to pick up in the letter to the church at Pergamum in verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, The one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Verse 14. But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. Thus you also have some who, in the same way, hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth." He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. So we see here that Balaam is again used as a negative example. Uh, Again, uh, teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. This is a reference back to Numbers chapters 22, 23, 24, and especially in this context, Numbers chapter 25. So that's your biblical overview of the prophet Balaam. Next time we get together, we will look more closely uh, at the prophecies themselves of Balaam uh, as he is now in Moab and he is looking out over the camp of Israelites and uh, he will prophesy, he will give words to Balak from Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel.